Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, May 7th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, it's the start of hurricane preparedness week in Mississippi. Hear from emergency management officials on the season ahead and what you can do to prepare. In the aftermath of a storm, if it's very, very bad, you know, FEMA will be in, but there could be days, if not weeks, uh, before any federal dollars are flowing down. Then, after Everyday Tech, find out how a grassroots nonprofit is raising awareness about the state's maternal and child health issues. Here in Mississippi, we are not even covering that progesterone where somebody is pregnant already uh, to help them sustain that pregnancy. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today marks the start of Hurricane Preparedness Week. Emergency management officials are gearing up for a busy season by educating the public and coordinating with other agencies. Lee Smithson is executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier how the agency is moving forward. Well, we think, Desiree, it's very important to uh, to start getting the word out really before hurricane season starts, uh, reminding people what they need to do uh, to prepare themselves, their property, uh, and other family members for a hurricane. Uh, and as we saw in the 2017 season, it was a very, very active season. We're expecting that now, too. So we're, we're starting the week of 7 through 11 May uh, as the preparedness week. But that doesn't mean we're going to stop then. Uh, throughout the hurricane season that really ends at the end of November, we will continuously be pushing out uh, tips for the uh, public to be, uh, be aware of, to be prepared for, uh, uh, for a, a hurricane that might hit the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And so you said that it was an active season last year. You expect an active season this year. Were there any hurricanes that did significant damage in Mississippi last year? Yeah, we had, in October we had Hurricane Nate uh, make landfall in Jackson County, uh, which was the first hurricane, uh, Category 1 or higher hurricane, that has hit us uh, since Hurricane Katrina. And uh, the great thing about uh, as bad as a hurricane strike is, is we had no injuries, much less deaths, at all, and we we we, we uh, attribute that to the fact that people were really paying uh, close attention uh, to to the coast, probably uh, because of what we saw in Texas, the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, and Florida. But the good news is people heeded the advice of the local emergency management agencies, MEMA, uh, the National Weather Service, um, and we still had almost forty million dollars in damages, uh, but no. No injuries or deaths. So again, we're just trying to, to to keep that momentum going going into this season. Uh, we're started as I said, the seventh through the eleventh of May. We're a little bit early this year, but only because we're doing preparedness week in conjunction with our partners in preparedness summit that's down on the coast. Because it's other state agencies that play a role in hurricane response, 
and make sure that they are also helping us push the word out on preparedness and then what to do in the aftermath of a storm. And can we talk about some of those key issues that people need to be uh, doing to prepare for hurricane season? Absolutely. Tuesday will be our first day to start it, and that's um, a family emergency plan. So we're really pushing uh, for people to understand that, as we say, the first 72 is on you. Make sure that you have plenty of fresh water. If you don't evacuate, have plenty of fresh water, one gallon per person per day, uh, non-perishable food, that you secure your key documents like birth certificates, that you have cash, you have uh, money in your car, that kind of thing. So just what it needs, to, what, what, what family preparedness really means uh, to people. But with when it comes to hurricanes, we always recommend the first course of action being to evacuate, to get away from the impacted area because your property is not worth risking your life over. So if you do evacuate, and again, that's what we encourage, we make sure that people take their important family documents, cash, don't forget about your pets, uh, and then just let family members know where it is you plan on going. Uh, so that after the storm, uh, people can locate you very easily. In our state, uh, transportation is an issue. So what can people do who don't have a car? Well, again, uh, people who don't have uh, a means of transportation are encouraged uh, to call the local county emergency management agencies. They all have uh, evacuation plans uh, in place, and generally they involve school buses to be able to evacuate people from from hurricane-prone areas, Uh, to get them as far away from it as they can. So, again, it all uh, is about getting with the local uh, emergency management community. But, again, as you prepare for it, don't wait till a storm is bearing down on you. Know who you need to call. Know who your county emergency manager is and, and have those numbers available. MEMA Director Lee Smithson. Rupert Lacey is Director of Harrison County Emergency Management. He tells our Desiree Frazier how they're preparing for the hurricane season ahead. As we know, Mother Nature can uh, give us dicey weather, and we just want people to be ready uh, professionally, personally, uh, uh, for whatever may come our way. What do you focus on when you talk to people about being prepared? We have to make sure that you have a safe place to be at. Uh, Being a coastal community, uh, we have a lot of rivers, bios, uh, streams, creeks, uh, and of course our bays with our our uh, uh, front on the Mississippi Sound, is that we know the water, that storm surge, uh, riverine flooding is one of our big concerns, and we see more loss of life because of water versus the wind. So, you know, have a plan, know what you're going to do, uh, that you have a safe sheltering location if we start to see the impacts of a storm. Do you find that people take you seriously? They do. Uh, of course, one of the things we try to uh, to look at the science, and of course it's, an, it's a, not an exact science, but we don't want to call for evacuations uh, unwarranted, shall we say. We uh, over the years, we have seen very busy years that we, we did multiple storms uh, but didn't have the impact. So we take it very serious when we do an evacuation. We try to uh, pinpoint it into that area to, you know, to let the residents know. And, and, of course, each storm has its own personality. So, you know, we try to make sure that we give them that good current information so that they hear our warnings and then they can take, Uh, take part and do what they need to do. 
do you encourage people to go to shelters or because of the area that you're in, would you evacuate first? Well, and Harrison County is kind of unique as you move north of the interstate. Uh, you get into some higher areas. But, again, because of some of our rivers and creeks is that those areas which may be high, you may be trapped in until the water recedes. We have, uh, through the federal government and our state partner, MEMA, we have uh, built in Harrison County some storm uh, shelters that we do use, we do open, uh, and a lot of our residents which live south have now moved north into the county, and they've hardened their homes. But, you know, again, it's one of those that you've got to look at and you've got to think about is that you're, you want to make sure you're safe from the water, but you want to also make sure you're safe from uh, the winds. And, and as we have seen in past hurricane seasons, uh, tornadic activity could be part of the storm. You know, it may not be, but uh, we have to prepare for that. Harrison County EMA Director Rupert Lacey. Danny Manley is the Pearl River County Emergency Services Director. He tells MPB's Desiree Fraser their location requires different preparations from more coastal counties. The biggest thing is to stay alert and, uh, you know, keep up with the news, know what's going on, have a plan. Uh, you need a, a big thing that, that we that is a problem is an emergency communications plan. You need to have a way to let people know that you're okay. And, uh, you know, if you stay during the storm and if you're not able to handle the storm, then you need to evacuate. In most instances, do you tell people to go? No, our county, typically this is where people come to. A lot of people that uh, are along the the coast uh, evacuate to Pearl River County. Our county swells up dramatically when we have a possible storm impact. So then you're working with community leaders and businesses to figure out how you're going to accommodate the additional people? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we, we get inundated. Um, they do also do contraflow, and that could dump 300,000 people driving through our county, and many of them uh, end up staying here. And what can you do to accommodate these people? Are there enough hotels? Do you have enough things in place, shelters and all of that? We've got adequate shelters. Uh, a lot of people have friends and relatives. We're, there's a, a lot of people that actually moved here after uh, Hurricane Katrina, and so a lot of people have family members. Now, the stores, they have to uh, really get beefed up. We have to have outside agencies, uh, law enforcement agencies, come to Pearl River County to help us deal with all the, the traffic and the, and the influx. Pearl River County Emergency Director Danny Manley with our Desiree Frazier. Hurricane season begins June 1st. It ends November 30th, but storms can occur before or after that period. In other news, today is the deadline for voter registration in Mississippi. Residents who want to vote in the June 5th federal primaries have the remainder of the business day to put their names on the voter rolls. Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman says circuit clerk's offices will be open from 8 to 5 today for people to register in person. Registration forms sent by mail must be postmarked by today. Coming up, find out how a grassroots nonprofit is raising awareness about the state's maternal and child health issues. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
Southern Roots music favorite, Paul Thorne, along with the legendary Blind Boys of Alabama and special guests, live in concert. Paul Thorne's Mission Temple Fireworks Revival, premiering May 7th at 8.30 on MPB Television. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilt Contraire, and today we're discussing spring cleaning your tech. So, Wilts, what's the first thing people should think about when spring cleaning their tech? Well, the first thing you really need to focus on is what do you need? Um, you know, it's very much like if you're trying to sit there and you know do a little bit of spring cleaning at the house. Where are your areas that you have some pain points? Where are some areas you have a concern? Maybe you've been looking at that garage all winter and, you know, it's like, I got to get something done with that. So, of course, in your spring cleaning adventures, you're going to focus on that first. Well, the same thing with your tech. Where are your pain points? Where is it that you feel like you need a little bit of organization or, or a little bit of just straightening up to make your tech life a little bit easier? So one of my biggest needs is cleaning out my email. Are there any tips to making that process a little bit easier? Well, you know, really there are. You can use technology to your advantage. And, Michelle, you're not alone. That seems to be one of the biggest concerns a lot of folks have. I'll use my mother-in-law for an example. It's amazing how many old emails she will end up retaining. And I have to tell her, it's like, you do know that that coupon from that store from a year ago is no longer good. It's not still on sale. So it's okay to let things go. I, I call it almost digital hoarding at times. It seems like we just accumulate all this, but really you can use rules within your email to your advantage. So no matter what email tools you're using, if you're visiting a web page for your email provider or you're using a desktop app such as Outlook or Thunderbird, there is settings available to allow you to send mail by senders or by certain subjects or keywords into different folders to kind of put them to where they're a little bit easier for you to manage. One of my favorite tools is, you know, we all end up having to sign up for a store somewhere, maybe to get a coupon or there was something going on. Well, what I'll do is I'll set a rule for emails from that store will go into a bulk email folder. So I can go in there and check it every now and then, but it's not part of my main inbox. It's not part of that that growing number that all of us see on our phone or on our computer that says, you've got this many unread messages. It's over there for me to look at a little bit later. I kind of... Think of that the same way you would when you maybe get a circular or a flyer in the mail at the house. You know, you kind of set it off to the side. It's like, I'll look at that later, maybe after dinner or when I have a few spare minutes, but it's not just dominating your day. So when you're working on organizing those files and especially those emails, don't think of it like we do that junk drawer in the kitchen where you just kind of throw everything in there and you know it takes you about 15 minutes to find what it is you're looking for. Think of it more so like that well-organized file cabinet you have off in the office where you can go right to it and you can find your bills and you can find your taxes and you can find your receipts and things that are important like that. Treat your email that same way. Should people be concerned about the outside of their devices as well? Definitely, Michelle. We should be looking at the outside of our devices. It is important to keep things such as dust and dirt away from the outside. It can definitely affect performance, and especially if you're talking about that computer in your office, usually under the desk, that dust can actually shorten the life of some things. So you really want to look at keeping that clean. It seems so many people don't think about the cleaning of their tech devices until, oh, say that computer in your office sounds a little bit more like a jet engine taking off out on the runway. But it's really important to head it off before then. So, Michelle, when we talk about spring cleaning your tech, it's really important that we don't just think of this in the spring. 
this is an ongoing event, but it's really easy for us to associate this with spring cleaning. And, you know, it's when we're we're getting all the clutter out and we're getting ready for a, a wonderful summer ahead and all kinds of fun with friends and family. Well, along with those friends and family usually is going to come along some tech devices. So just like you would not just clean your house once a year and you wouldn't just change the oil in your car once a year, you don't want to just manage and clean your tech once a year. This needs to be an ongoing process and a part of your your regular maintenance tasks. So not only are we talking about keeping our devices clean, dust-free, and operating really well, but at the same time, if one of those main pain points that you identified earlier is in your organization of email and files and some other things, making sure that you maintain this throughout the year can keep from you having to spend your entire day spring cleaning and give you a little bit more time to get out and enjoy the sun. We will talk more about spring cleaning your tech on the next episode of Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. For Woods Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This has been Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Marshall Ramsey, the host of Now You're Talking, the show about the most interesting people in Mississippi. Join us to hear stories from artists, activists, and entrepreneurs. Today at 10, only on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Maternal health professionals are raising awareness about issues facing new moms. Mississippi is ranked worst for women and children's health and has the highest rates of premature births and infant mortality, according to a report by the United Health Foundation. The Mississippi Birth Coalition was a sponsor for the March for Moms rally held Friday at the Capitol. Leah Dubin is a home birth assistant who works with the statewide nonprofit. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood supporting a healthy pregnancy can be expensive. Infertility coverage does not exist here in Mississippi. It does exist in some states. Um, It is mandated in some states that infertility treatments are covered. Um, Here in Mississippi, we are not even covering that progesterone where somebody is pregnant already uh, to help them sustain that pregnancy, which is a big problem. Uh, Medicaid is not covering it, but from my understanding, a lot of insurances are not covering it. It's not just Medicaid. It's an expensive drug. They don't want to pay. And it is, a, it is a big problem if we want to sustain the pregnancies once somebody gets pregnant. Um, so forgetting just the infertility side, to get them pregnant, keeping them healthy is very important. So, Who are some of the people most impacted by that? I would say um, people with lower income are definitely most impacted um, because they can't afford $700 a week for injections if they need it. Um, I would say the average middle class person can't afford $700 a week. Uh, to sustain a pregnancy. And that's forgetting the cost of IVF if they had to go through in vitro. That's, that could be ten to $15,000 up front. Um, so then it's adding insult to injury for sure. One young lady said that she was afraid to have her baby here in Mississippi. Do you think that that's a common mood for a lot of expecting mothers? We have the worst outcomes in the country here in Mississippi. So I think women have a good reason to be scared here. And we literally, we have more women dying here in Mississippi than anywhere else in the country. So why aren't we talking about it? Um, uh, we have the highest C-section rates in the country. It shouldn't be that way. It's in the 50th, 50% range here in Jackson. 
um, and it doesn't have to be that way. So, what are the contributing factors to make those numbers? You know, um, I would say lack of education uh, is a big thing. Uh, lack of access to, to care, to prenatal care, and you know, it really starts. Nutrition starts at home even before you're starting trying to get pregnant, and um, forgetting throughout pregnancy and there just aren't a lot of choices the hospitals are their rates are high and if you go it you walk in there you have to go where medicaid is accepted where your doctor is and people don't know they have choices and that's part of what i do as a doula teaching people about informed consent about what their choices are women can choose the home birth medicaid pays for a home birth in the state of florida why can't we do that here and those outcomes are proven to be better time and time again pregnancy is not an illness that is the number one thing point if I get across nothing else today. Why are we putting women in a hospital for something that they're not sick? Why are they in the hospital? A hundred years ago in Mississippi, every baby was born by a midwife, almost every baby. Why today are midwives not even regulated in the state? How do we get back to those good birth outcomes? The average low-risk pregnancy is uneventful. It's not something that needs to be in a hospital necessarily, but even if they're in the hospital, you know, there's, there should be very few interventions. There, shouldn't, there should be no major issues along the way for most people. Our bodies are made for this. Home birth assistant Leah Dubin. Cassandra Newman is a childbirth educator also with the Mississippi Birth Coalition. She tells our Ashley Norwood the organization is growing out of necessity. We are working on being democratic about where we do. Do we become a political action committee? Do we say a nonprofit? Do we uh, create a place to train doulas to get them out into the community? What is it going to take to help women? Because that's the bottom line. If mothers are helped, then our whole society, our whole community is helped. Now, is Mississippi Birth Coalition, is that something fairly new? Yeah, or? I formed it to do this rally. So this is a national sister rally for um, a rally that's happening most in 50 other cities, uh, more, more than 50 other cities all across the nation. The, the lead rally is in the capital on Sunday. But we decided to do ours on Friday because Mississippi is a community-centered place that respects their Sundays, and we wanted to respect that as well. And we came down here on a Friday so we could have the bus, we could have the crowd of the downtown community help support moms. That support that you mentioned, why is that so important to you? Why is support important? Everyone needs it. Moms especially. We need to mother the mother. How important it is to care for a mother with respect. And that we bridge that gap that happens from evidence. And when we study something and we get an answer, and then we put it into practice. Right now, it's an average of 17 years. It can be anywhere from 10 to 20. But 17 on average is how long it takes for us to implement what we already know works, what already, we already know helps. So that's too long. We can't wait that long. We have to act now to support women. And if it takes a grassroots effort to people to understand, listen, take notice, then that's what we'll do, grassroots. But we'd love to have bigger partners on board, like we have for this rally nationally. American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the Nursing Association. We have so many national sponsors that are on board, Merck, um, uh, Maz, uh, so many people that see it and go, yes, but... And the local level in Mississippi, we're not seeing that support yet. So we're hoping this will uh, grab some people's attention and get them on board because we don't want to leave anybody out. We want to bring everybody to the table. Everyone is welcome. Mississippi Birth Coalition's Cassandra Newman with MPB's Ashley Norwood. 
Bobby Ware is CEO of Baptist Memorial Hospital. In a statement, she says it is up to each mom to decide where it would be best for her to deliver her baby. Baptist for Women is here to provide whatever services expectant moms need. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10 o'clock, now you're talking. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit MPB.